0: Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today.
1: Today is actually, do you guys know what today is? It's Pentecost Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So Pentecost Sunday is what? What happened on Pentecost Sunday? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came down. So let's. Um, I'm going to start. We, I have a lot of scriptures this morning. So um, I love the Bible. I love the Word. Here's here's something interesting. Did you? What is the written word of God called in the Greek? No. No. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, see, I used, to, I used to thought that Logos meant the written word. rema meant the spoken word, or the spirit. And is the spirit-breathing life. But I did a study. It's amazing what happens when you actually look into some of the roots of these things and you start to look at it. Logos, Logos, is actually spoken as well. It's not the written, it's not just the written. In Hebrews it says, you know, the, the the word of God is sharper than a two edged sword, and I looked and I I looked at okay what we're going to read that actually a little bit later, but I looked at the word, the um, the word I looked at the word, and in the Greek it's logos, and I was like oh so they're talking about the written word. I just automatically thought the written word, and there, and and if you look at the definition, it's actually anything. Um, let me. I'm gonna give you the definition because this is kind of cool. Is anybody finding this interesting? Because I, I just like. I was like, oh, it's it's um, of speech. A word uttered by a living voice embodied a conception or an idea. It can be anything. It's not like you think of logos and 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 um, rama as simply divine words. But if you have to remember the word like the word, word in the Greek, they were using this language daily in Greece, right? So it's, so it's simply, I'm speaking to you logos because I'm using words. I'm, using, I'm making a speech. Um, it's what someone has said. It's a word, the sayings of God. It's a decree, a mandate or order of the, mo- um, of the most presets given by God. Um, Old Testament prophecy given by the prophets, what is declared? A thought, a declaration, aphorism, a weighty saying, a dictum or a maxim. It's also a discourse, the act of speaking, the act of making a speech is logos. And I'm not dis- like I'm not trying to devalue what we've learned, but sometimes we just have to realize the word of God is not. I don't have an actual bio- like these the Passion translations. This isn't the word of God. This is the Bible. This is a letter to us. The word of God is what we get out of it and what he speaks to us. So it's, it's the living. It, that's where the rhema comes in, the breath of God, the pneuma, the, the breath, the, the rhema, the living, the logos. Not just the written, but it's more than that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Anyway. Um, so getting back to, let's look at Luke. Um, why did
0: I have this? No, I'm, I'm trying to decide. Oh, axe. Huh. No, axe. See, axe. We're going to look at axe. All right, so axe one. We're going to start at the very beginning. Very good place to start.
1: So Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift that the Father promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now you have to understand, at this point, they really didn't know what Jesus was talking about. Because there was only specific times up until that point where the Holy Spirit was actually manifest in people, and it was generally in the in the prophets, right even the kings of the of the old didn 't have the presence of the Holy Spirit on them or in them. but what happened was if you if you look at Samuel and kings um, if you remember the story of Saul, he was actually prophesying because the Holy Spirit came on him. And he prophesied with the school of the prophets before he was anointed king. So there's definite times and seasons in the Old Testament, in the, in, from, from the, in the annals of the Old Testament, and even within the Old Covenant itself where the Holy Spirit came on somebody. But never, um, but never in history up until that point was the Holy Spirit in somebody. And so this was the difference. This was the gift that the Father um, gave was that you have to wait for the Holy Spirit and you will receive the Holy Spirit in you. And they're like, I don't understand. And that's why Jesus said, no, wait. Don't do anything until you receive that gift. And so you, and how do you receive a gift? Generally, you receive a gift by taking it and owning it. If somebody gave me um, $100, does anybody here have $100 in their wallet right now? You do. Can I see it? Please. Trust me. Trust me, I'm a pastor. So here's this $100. Now, she just gave this to me. Now, I just took it. If I was to receive this and go, thank you, and I would take it. You all heard and, and And I've received it now. But in order to receive something, I have to take it into myself. But if she gave me this hundred dollars and so she gave it to me and I took it, and then all of it, and I went, "Oh, thank you. Did I receive the gift? No, the gift was given, but I have to receive it. And it's the same thing with gifts from the Father. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. He's there to give, but we still have to receive it. We still have to bring it into ourselves. We still have to make an effort, and that's where faith comes in, because faith is that action. If the Holy Spirit is that $100, I have to do something to receive it, to bring it into my wallet, and to accept it, and then it becomes part of who I am, and I get to distribute that gift at will or not. See, so the, so the, so the, um, the disciples, the apostles at that point were, were going, okay, Jesus... Um, what's going to happen. So every time they were gathered together, um, verse 6, every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it time now for you to free Israel and restore his kingdom, our kingdom? And see, they were thinking on one level. They were thinking, well, great, Jesus is about to leave and, and we're still in, the, in a bind. It's because Jesus was thinking with a greater kingdom, not just the kingdom of Israel. He was thinking about the end of the Old Covenant. He was thinking about the time that everything that they knew is about to end. So in the answer, he says, The Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, and even to the remotest places on earth. And right after he spoke those words, poof, he's up in the air, he's gone. Right? They watched him. That would have been a fun morning. You know, Jesus is actually talking. He's giving his last words. He's like, okay, go and do this. And it's reminiscent of Matthew 28 where Jesus says, go into all the world and disciple nations. And then, then he, he disappears. So they're standing there and they're watching him ascend. That would have been freaky. So and then if you bump ahead to chapter two, this is days later, um, and they're all gathered. There's 120 people in this upper room. On the day of Pentecost was be, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled. All the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. How many of us have been in God's presence so strongly that it was like, I need to crawl out, I can't bear this? You know, some of the stories of Smith Wigglesworth, um, you probably have heard this, where he would, he would, uh, he gathered a group of guys together, and he was known for the presence. He was known for the presence of God, that he would foster the presence of God personally. He would spend time with the Father, and his the presence that surrounded him was so great that people couldn't handle it. And so people would come to him, men would come to him and say, Smith, I want to hang out with you. I want what you have. And he says, you can't handle what I have. He says, because you don't have what it takes. He said, they're like... That is, that is just not true. We can handle If you can handle it, we can handle it. So he gathered a group of men together, and in his study had a fire going, and, and they waited. And Smith prayed, Father, just come. Just welcome your presence. You're just amazing. I just thank you for everything that you're doing. And all of a sudden his presence came, his manifest presence. He filled the room. And he's like, oh... This is good. He's here. Can you feel? And he looks over and he sees one guy and the other. One guy's on the floor already done. He can't. And the guy's crawling out. Just by saying, come. goes, more. This is nothing. Just more. More of your presence. And one by one, the men that were gathered in that room could not handle. And they, and they, craw- they, they crawled out of, of his den, of his office. And finally, there was one other guy, and he lasted, uh, I forget what the story said, let's just say he was there for 45 minutes, and the presence got so um, heavy, and the presence was just so thick that the guy literally, again, had to crawl out, and he called out, he says, I don't know how you can stand this, but I am about to die. And he left, And, and Smith, and then the story says, and Smith was in there for hours, as the presence just got heavier and heavier. Now, what was the, the what was the result of that? The result was the presence was so much in him, and he had received the Holy Spirit with such power that he would go to funerals, flip the lid open on the coffin, pick up the dead body, throw the dead body against the wall. It said, "Live," and then he would leave, as the body slid down the wall and then stood up and walked out. Yeah, so he you, you spend that much time with the, God's presence and it's that heavy there's there's good things that come out of that <laughs> yeah used to disrupt funerals all the time you think that's gross no i talked to the people like that that's awesome it's kind of freaky it was the precursor for the walking dead Yeah, I, yeah, he did. I wasn't going to bring that up because that's a little bit. Did you hear what she said? He kicked a baby. Was he, the baby was dead, right? Yeah, a football p- kick. And by the time that somebody caught the baby, the baby was alive. You're thinking, that's just nasty. How can people do that? That's so like. But you know What? Those things, we don't see those things now. It's no, because we, we just we don't see those things now because can you imagine what CNN would do if I was reported by kicking a baby across the room? And can you imagine, I mean, it's, oh, sad, sad, sad. Anyway, so the roar of this win. And, and my point of telling you the story of, of Smith was that this happens today. The, 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 the Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, was the first of the last 2,000 years. It didn't stop. But it's the point is, will we receive the Holy Spirit into ourselves the way we need to? See, God, you know, when, 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 Jesus, when Jesus came, he was showing off the kingdom. He, he showed off his father. And he says, okay, the time is coming now. Where the covenant, the old covenant, the law is coming to an end. Now, do you know, remember the verse when Jesus says, I did not come to what? I did not come to abolish the law. I did not come to abolish the law, but to what? Fulfill it. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean to come? He came to fulfill the law. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, to, to fulfill the requirement, like, he'd come to end it. He didn't come to abolish it. If, and it's tricky words. If Jesus says, I came to end the law, or I came to fulfill the law, is, can you see there's a difference in the, in, in the grammar of that? If he came to end it, it would just be, okay, you're done. And there would be no fulfillment. There would be no completion. There would be no, um, it, wouldn't, it would be like a really good love story with no final chapter. They'd be like, and they, what? So Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. He didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. So what he did is I fulfilled it. The law of, the, of Moses, it's the law of Moses. I was talking to somebody several weeks ago and I said, you know, the law, is, it, there's, the law has no place in our lives as Christians. He goes, oh, if we didn't have the law, there would be chaos. And I was like, What? He says, like, people would be speeding, and they'd be driving around like idiots, and they'd be riding Like, we need the law. We need—and I was like, no, 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 the wrong law. We have the laws of our land, but we're not operating under the law of Moses. And that's what Jesus was referring to, right? So with the end of the Mosaic Covenant, with the end of the law coming, um, Jesus gave us something that we needed to continue on, because we needed to be a supernatural people. We needed to be connected to heaven. And that was what the Holy Spirit did. When the Holy Spirit came and filled them in Pentecost, he gave them the authority to say, okay, now take what you have and and spread it. Because you can't do this on your own. When Jesus said, go into all the world and do all this stuff, he was going, you need to do it with the Holy Spirit. That was the point of Pentecost. It was to say, okay, here, the new covenant is starting, the old covenant is in the mid it's, it's transitioning. So when Jesus left the earth, there was this transition between the old and the new covenant. Um, it was because he was, all these things were coming to an end. And that's where we have Matthew 24 and all the coming, the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. It, and they're in this, in, this, in this time. But the people, the Christians, the disciples, the apostles assembled in there needed the power of the Holy Spirit to come so that they can go and raise the, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, do whatever they, they needed to do. I had a friend, um, I met her through Welton Academy, um, and she's an actress in, in uh, where, Los Angeles. And she wrote, a, she wrote a testimony, and she's really new to a lot of this stuff, and, and she, she, uh, she says, I was sitting with my sister and her boyfriend, and they're, they're a little bit, they're not quite as connected to God's stuff as i am and and she says and my sister said would you pray would you pray for my boyfriend he's going through a lot of stuff and she's like wow okay and so she sat down and she put her hand on on her sister's boyfriend's heart and he, and she all of a sudden she got a word and she says do have people told you you're not worthy and all of a sudden, he started bawling, and this, you know, he's and he's like, my grandmother. Every word that came out of her mouth towards me was, "You'll never be anything, and you'll never do anything, and you're just not worthy." And he used the words that she used. She talked all good things about my sisters, but she never had a good thing. So she, um, the girl p- praying for her, her name is, um, Shush- Shush- I can't even say her name, Shashani. And she, so she's praying, and she just releases him from the curses that were spoken. And then she did, there was a couple of other things happened, but it was a supernatural occurrence. And she took her hand off of his heart, and he says, I felt electricity going through me, and whatever was on me is gone now. And he's not even a Christian. <laughs> How can that be? It's just true, because it works. It's it being the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's where that verse in Hebrews, the Word of God, is a two-edged sword. And it, 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 it she spoke the Lord the Holy Spirit gave her words and power, and she spoke those things and released him from years of oppression. And there's more in there, but it doesn't. It, but it's just it's it's powerful, and that's and that's for us today. And that's why the day of Pentecost is so important for us, because we have the Holy Spirit, but we have to be receiving him daily. Paul talks about that. Um, it's Ephesians. He, he says, I want you to continue to be being filled. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a coming up like, you know, the old Pentecostal services. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, come up, shun shundamakai, you do your thing and you sit down and say, like, yeah, I did that once. I had the Holy Spirit. I, I have the Yeah, I, I was filled once. No, we have to continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's almost like we need to have a day of Pentecost daily in ourselves to feel his presence, to keep walking it out. That's how I do what I do in the midst of everything that's going on. I need his presence, right? The other, a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling really stressed, and I was like short-fused, and, and Deanne was, and we were just, we were just, ah. And, and I realized that I wasn't taking the time and resting. And I'm not talking about a Sabbath day. As Christians in a new covenant, we don't need a Sabbath day to celebrate like they did in the old covenant. Because our life in the new covenant in Jesus is a, is a life of rest. And he switched that from a day of rest set up because Hebrews, the, the Israelites, the Hebrew people coming out of, egypt were working seven days a week 80 90 hours a week and they didn't know what it was to rest so god in his goodness set up in the covenant take a day off you need to rest if i have to legislate this to you you need to rest but jesus in the new covenant let's look at james chapter 4 says we we live our lives out of rest and it's done out of faith. It's done with the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's what allows us to do what we can do. So, chapter uh, chapter four. Let me just see if I found the right verse here. I'm just going to read it. Now, God has offered us some sa- the same promise of entering into His realm of resting in confident faith. So, we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise. And not, to fa- and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. Who's they? Anybody? Who's the they that the writer is talking about? No, they being the Israelites. He was referring back to the old covenant. He was referring back to the, a Sabbath day. Um, so, for we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, Yet they didn't join their faith with the word and activate its power. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. That's pretty good. Hebrews chapter 4. I did? Well, obviously, you're not prophetic this morning. I knew where I was. I said James. I have no recollection of saying James. That is funny. So I'm sorry. I really, I'm like, oh, they're all really liking this because it's like, no, Hebrews chapter 4. So verse, and I started in verse 1, and I finished so far in verse 3. It does, doesn't it? Do I need to read it again? Do you want me to read it again while you're... Okay, so now we're all on the same page. Page 18 in my, in my book here. Now, God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not, to, uh, not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, but they didn't join their faith with the word and activate its power. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. So for myself... The last few months have been just hurried and crazy because of house and and just everything. You know, we got, um, you know, Maddie's doing sweethearts and you just, there's just, it's a season of accelerated just, and we have to maintain, I have to maintain my rest. So somebody says, well, what are you doing today? Like Mondays, I usually take off as a day off. And what I do on that day off is laundry and maybe watch a movie, but I don't answer my phone unless it's Deanna or the kids. You know, and people say, "I tried to get a hold of you," and and they're all. I'm like, "Did you?" Oh, bummer. Sorry for you. Um, I'm calling you now, (laughs) but but I I need to do that. It's not a Sabbath day per se, but I'm learning and I am continuing to walk in because I've embraced the thought that my life needs to be one of Sabbath, my of of rest. Jesus said, "Take up my what, cross? Take up my burden because it's light." Right? So you're walking. If we're doing things that are too heavy for us, then we're actually not walking in Jesus. Not walking with him. If he becomes too much to bear, we have to figure out what's going on. God's, work, uh, God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. For it says in the scriptures, on the seventh day, God rested from all of his works. And again, it's stated before, they will never enter into my calming rest, place of rest. So what the writer there was talking about was in the past, they couldn't actually enter into true rest because the covenant didn't allow it for that. But in the new covenant that Jesus is being established between Jesus and the Father, rest is a way of life. It's the benefits of being in the new covenant. For those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we will still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the and experience the fulfillment of the promise, for God still has ordained a day for us to enter in, and it's called today. You see what he's saying between the lines. It's not Sunday, enter your rest on Sunday, or enter your rest on Saturday if you're a um, uh, Seventh-day Adventist. It's enter into your rest. Today. So what are you doing today? Resting. Oh, it's Monday. Oh, it's Wednesday. What day is it today? Wednesday. What are you doing today? Resting. <laughs> oh, I'm doing everything else. It look, doesn't look like I'm resting, but in faith, walking it out, the action, I'm actually resting in His presence, and I'm receiving strength. You get that? So it's got to be a it's got to be this mindset of this understanding of what God is really trying to establish in our hearts. That whether you work seven days a week, you actually rest seven days a week. Now, it's nice to have a holiday. I'm not, you know, I'm not of the Puritan work ethic where, you, you know, you're going to work yourself to death and count it as glory. No, we work, and we do things, but we do it out of rest. All right. Yeah, it adds to it. Yeah, it, the rest is in different, different levels. Be anxious for nothing, you know, relax. You know, Deanne opened up this morning, the service with, um, what is she, I forget now, it was, it was about don't worry, you know, the um, carefree, yeah, you can be carefree, you, you know, like you don't, you're not being stressed out about everything. That's kingdom life. That's the beauty of kingdom life. Okay, how you doing? You got a few more minutes in you? Look at that. I know. I do I was like, "Oh, dang. I smell the burgers." Okay. For God has still ordained a day for us to enter into into For God has still ordained a day for us to enter into called today. For it was long afterward that God repeated it in David's words. If only today you would listen to his voice and do not harden your hearts. Now, if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. So we conclude that there was still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. So what he was saying, like Joshua took the Israelites into the, into the promised land, and they technically should have had rest because that was the promise. That was the fulfillment of the promise. How many of us have had a fulfillment of our promises, and yet after that fulfillment of that promise, it still required a lot of work? That's what has happened is like with, with Joshua bringing these guys in, they actually they, they walked into the land, promise fulfilled, and then it took them a number of years to actually take the land and to work it. And God, God is not against work. He's not against us actually, you know, taking control and, 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 and working it. And that's why even my, this whole situation with Deanna and I, with our house, it's required for me a lot of work, hours that I didn't expect that I would have to do because it's an insurance claim and why should I have to do all this stuff? Well, we decided to do extra to make it look better and that required work and God breathed on that and there's, there's favor on that. Seven years, Paulette worked to get her house sold. And yet she rested in that at times. Times times she got anxious, right? You're anxious, and then you rested, and you're anxious. And then you finally were like, okay, whatever. I'm just giving it to you. I'm going to do what I need to do. And then boom, it's sold. And now there's work going to be involved because the promise has been fulfilled. Now she's got to move out. We haven't sold our place yet. As soon as we do, then there's going to be more work. It's going to require work. And that's what he's getting at here. But in that work is rest. Verse 12. Sorry, verse 11. So then we must give all of our all and be eager to experience this faith, faith, rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy And it pierces more sharply than a soldier's sword. And it will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet, splitting them in two. It scrutinizes and reveals the true thoughts and motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. For nothing we do remains a secret and nothing created is concealed. But everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes, to whom we must render an account. So then the the writer of Hebrews goes on um, and talks a little bit in the closing of this chapter about Jesus being our king and our priest, our high priest. And he's setting himself up to say, this is what, what our life looks like. It's like God sees all, he knows all, um, he's, he's wanting connection with us, and it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to do what we call kingdom life. And it's, it's easy, and yet it can be hard because we still think sometimes in old ways. And we, oh, I, I must be being attacked, or I must be this, or this is, you know, and it's like some, maybe you are being attacked, but I think a lot of times we're being attacked by our own beliefs. And our own our own our own belief systems and our own religious upbringing for those of us who have been in a church a long time, so I just want to close um, I
0: just want to see if I want to use this one. Yeah, I think we're good. Any thoughts? Any questions? Rest. It requires faith.
1: It requires work. Faith requires work. Faith is the action. And in our rest, we're actually doing more than if we weren't resting. It doesn't make sense. But I know that, what's that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Rest looks different to different people because God is so um ingenious in his actions with us that he treats us like individuals, not as a corporate entity. That's how personable he is. It's amazing, yeah. It's like rest looks different for different people. But true rest does not cause anxiety. That's what we got we to look at. We got to look at the fruits of what we're doing. If, if if me sitting back and saying, okay, you know what, guys? As a church, okay, here you are. Here's your pastor. I'm saying, I need to rest for three months. For three months, I'm not going to do anything. Some would say, well, great. You better find yourself a job because you're not getting a paycheck. Right? Some, some, maybe not here. I you know, we don't really think that way, but but no, God has called me to rest. Well, how does that look? Right? It's just, and then all of a sudden, anxiety is produced. Like, well, that's probably not God. But in my rest, in my ability to rest in Him and allow the Holy Spirit to fill me, I'm resting. There's a for those of you who are farmer inclined, there's this system called a a um, crop rotation, where they take a they'll take a field and they'll rest that field every other year or every two years, seven years, seven years, and in that year of actually with no planting, the soil is reju- rejuvenated. So there's different ideas of what rest looks like, but the bottom line is. However God decides to do rest in you, it's fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Pentecost is the Pentecost Sunday started that because he wanted us to be empowered to do the things he's called us to do. Because the things that he's called us to do as a people require his presence, require a supernatural element that looks natural. It doesn't look flaky. It doesn't look weird but maybe to the ones that are receiving it, it does. Let's stand. All right. Burgers are on. Father, we love you. And as we look at rest and what it looks like, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have to be empowered by your spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come right now. Just put your hand on your heart. Lay hands on yourself. And I'm just releasing the power of the Holy Spirit right now on you to receive, to do the things that he's called you to do and enter into your rest in this season. Whatever that looks like for you, you need to know that he is on you, he is in you, and he loves you. Amen? Amen. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to our you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.